On my dearie's wedding morning I wakened early and went to her room. Long and long ago she had made me promise that I would be the one to wake her on the morning of her wedding day. You were the first to take me in your arms when I came into the world, Aunt Rachel, she had said, and I want you to be the first to greet me on that wonderful day. But that was long ago, and now my heart foreboded that there would be no need of awakening her, and there was not. She was lying there awake, very quiet, with her hand under her cheek and her big blue eyes fixed on the window, through which a pale, dull light was creeping in. A joyless light it was, and enough to make a body shiver. I felt more like weeping than rejoicing, and my heart took to aching when I saw her there so white and patient, more like a girl who was waiting for a winding-sheet than for a bridal-veil. But she smiled brave-like when I sat down on her bed and took her hand. "'You look as if you haven't slept all night, dearie,' I said. "'I didn't. Not a great deal,' she answered me. "'But the night didn't seem long. No, it seemed too short. I was thinking of a great many things. What time is it, Aunt Rachel?' Five o'clock.' "'Then in six hours more.' She suddenly sat up in her bed, her great thick rope of brown hair falling over her white shoulders, and flung her arms about me, and burst into tears on my old breast. I petted and soothed her, and said not a word. And, after a while, she stopped crying. But she still sat with her head, so that I couldn't see her face. "'We didn't think it would be like this once, did we, Aunt Rachel?' she said, very softly. "'It shouldn't be like this now,' I said. "'I had to say it. I never could hide the thought of that marriage, and I couldn't pretend to. It was all her stepmother's doing. Right well I knew that.' My dairy would never have taken Mark Foster else. Don't let us talk of that, she said, soft and beseeching, just the same way she used to speak when she was a baby child and wanted to coax me into something. Let us talk about the old days, and him. I don't see much use in talking of him when you're going to marry Mark Foster today, I said, but she put her hand on my mouth. It's for the last time, Aunt Rachel. After today I can never talk of him, or even think of him. It's four years since he went away. Do you remember how he looked, Aunt Rachel? I mind well enough, I reckon, I said, kind of curt-like. And I did. Owen Blair hadn't a face a body could forget. That long face of his, with its clean colour, and its eyes made to look love into a woman's. When I thought of Mark Foster's sallow skin and lank jaws, I felt sick-like. Not that Mark was ugly. He was just a common-looking fellow— he was so handsome, wasn't he, Aunt Rachel? My dairy went on, in that patient voice of her. So tall and strong and handsome. I wish we hadn't parted in anger. It was so foolish of us to quarrel. But it would have been all right if he had lived to come back. I know it would have been all right. I know he didn't carry any bitterness against me to his death. I thought once, Aunt Rachel, that I would go through life true to him, and then over on the other side I'd meet him just as before, all his and his only. But it isn't to be— "'Thanks to your stepma's weeding and Mark's Foster's scheming,' said I. "'No, Mark didn't scheme,' she said patiently. "'Don't be unjust to Mark, Aunt Rachel. He has been very good and kind.' "'He's as stupid as an owlet and as stubborn as a Solomon's mule,' I said, for I would say it. "'He's just a common fellow, and yet he thinks he's good enough for my beauty.' "'Don't talk about Mark,' she pleaded again. "'I mean to be a good, faithful wife to him, but I'm my own woman yet.' Yet, 
for just a few more sweet hours, and I want to give them to him, the last hours of my maidenhood. They must belong to him. So she talked of him, me sitting there and holding her, with her lovely hair hanging down over my arm, and my heart aching so for her that it hurt bitter. She didn't feel as bad as I did, because she'd made up her mind what to do and was resigned. She was going to marry Mark Foster, but her heart was in France, in that grave nobody knew of, where the Hunts had buried Owen Blair, if they had buried him at all. And she went over all they had been to each other, since they were mites of babies, going to school together and meaning, even then, to be married when they grew up. And the first words of love he'd said to her, and what she'd dreamed and hoped for. The only thing she didn't bring up was the time he thrashed Mark Foster for bringing her apples. She never mentioned Mark's name. It was all Owen. Owen, and how he looked, and what might have been, if he hadn't gone off to the awful war and got shot. And there was me, holding her and listening to it all, and her stepma sleeping sound and triumphant in the next room. When she had talked it all out, she lay down on her pillow again. I got up and went downstairs to light the fire. I felt terribly old and tired. My feet seemed to drag, and the tears kept coming on my eyes, though I tried to keep them away, for well I knew it was a bad omen to be weeping on a wedding day. Before long, Isabella Clark came down, bright and pleased-looking enough. She was. I'd never liked Isabella, from the day Philippa's father brought her here, and I liked her less than ever this morning. She was one of your sly, deep women, always smiling smooth and scheming underneath it. I'll say it for her, though she had been good to Philippa. But it was her doings that my dairy was to marry Mark Foster that day. Of the times, Rachel, she said, smiling and speaking me fair, as she always did, and hating me in her heart, as I well knew. That is right, for we'll have plenty to do today. A wedding makes lots of work. Not this sort of wedding, I said, sour-like. I don't call it a wedding when two people get married and sneak off as if they were ashamed of it, as well they might be in this case. It was Philippa's own wish that all should be very quiet, said Isabella, as smooth as cream. You know I'd have given her a big wedding if she'd wanted it. Oh, it's better quiet, I said. The fewer to see Philippa marry a man like Mark Foster, the better. Mark Foster is a good man, Rachel. No good man would be content to buy a girl as he's bought Philippa, I said, determined to give it in to her. He's a common fellow, not fit for my dairy to wipe her feet on. It's well that her mother didn't live to see this day, but this day would never have come if she'd lived. I dare say Philippa's mother would have remembered that Mark Foster is very well off, quite as readily as worse people, said Isabella, a little spitefully. I liked her better when she was spiteful than when she was smooth. I didn't feel so scared of her then. The marriage was to be at eleven o'clock, and, at nine, I went up to help Philippa dress. She was no fussy bride, caring much what she looked like. If Owen had been the bridegroom, it would have been different. Nothing would have pleased her then, but now it was only just— That will do very well, Aunt Rachel. Without even glancing at it. Still, nothing could prevent her from looking lovely when she was dressed. My dairy would have been a beauty in a beggar-maid's rags. In a white dress and veil, she was as fair as a queen. And she was as good as she was pretty. 
It was the right sort of goodness, too, with just enough spice of original sin in it to keep it from spoiling, by reason of over-sweetness. Then she sent me out. I want to be alone my last hour, she said. Kiss me, Aunt Rachel. Mother, Rachel. When I'd gone down, crying like the old fool I was, I heard a rap at the door. My first thought was to go out and send Isabella to it, for I supposed it was Mark Foster, come ahead of time, and small stomach I had for seeing him. I fall trembling, even yet, when I think, what if I had sent Isabella to that door? But go I did, and opened it, defiant-like, kind of hoping it was Mark Foster to see the tears on my face. I opened it, and staggered back like I'd got a blow. Owen! Lord a mercy on us! Owen! I said, just like that, going cold all over, for it's the truth that I thought it was his spirit come back to forbid that unholy marriage. But he sprang right in, and caught my wrinkled old hands in a grasp that was of flesh and blood. Aunt Rachel, I'm not too late, he said, savage-like. Tell me I'm in time. I looked up at him, standing over me there, tall and handsome, no change in him except he was so brown, and had a little white scar on his forehead. And, though I couldn't understand at all, being all bewildered-like, I felt a great, deep thankfulness. "'No, you're not too late,' I said. "'Thank God,' said he under his breath, and then he pulled me into the parlour and shut the door. "'They told me at the station that Philippa was to be married to Mark Foster today. I couldn't believe it. But I came here as fast as horseflesh could bring me. Aunt Rachel, it can't be true. She can't care for Mark Foster, even if she had forgotten me.' "'It's true enough that she's to marry Mark,' I said, half laughing, half crying. "'But she doesn't care for him. Every beat of her heart is for you. It's all her stepma's doing. Mark has got a mortgage on the place, and he told Isabella Clark that if Philippa would marry him, he'd burn the mortgage, and if she wouldn't, he'd foreclose. Philippa is sacrificing herself to save her stepma for her dead father's sake. It's all your fault!' I cried, getting over my bewilderment. We thought you were dead. Why didn't you come home when you were alive? Why didn't you write? I did write, after I got out of the hospital, several times, he said. And never a word in answer, Aunt Rachel. What was I to think when Philippa wouldn't answer my letters? She never got one, I cried. She wept her sweet eyes out of you. Somebody must have gotten those letters. And I knew then. And I know now, though never a shadow of proof have I, that Isabella Clark had got them, and kept them. That woman would stick at nothing. Well, we'll sift that matter some other time, said Owen impatiently. There are other things to think of now. I must see Philippa. I'll manage it for you, I said eagerly. But just as I spoke, the door opened and Isabella and Mark came in. Never shall I forget the look on Isabella's face. I almost felt sorry for her. She turned sickly yellow, and her eyes went wild. They were looking at the downfall of all her schemes and hopes. I didn't look at Mark Foster at first, and, when I did, there wasn't anything to see. His face was just as sallow and wooden as ever. He looked undersized and common beside Owen. Nobody'd ever have picked him out for a bridegroom. Owen spoke first. "'I want to see Philippa,' he said, as if it were but yesterday that he had gone away. All Isabella's smoothness and policy had dropped away from her, and the real woman stood there, plotting and unscrupulous, as I'd always known her. 
You can't see her. She said, desperate-like. She doesn't want to see you. You went and left her and never wrote, and she knew you weren't worth fretting over. And she has learned to care for a better man. I did write, and I think you know that better than most folks, said Owen, trying hard to speak quiet. As for the rest, I'm not going to discuss it with you. When I hear from Philippa's own lips that she cares for another man, I'll believe it, and not before. You'll never hear it from her lips, said I. Isabella gave me a venomous look. You'll not see Philippa until she is a better man's wife, she said stubbornly. And I order you to leave my house, Owen Blair. No. It was Mark Foster who spoke. He hadn't said a word, but he came forward now and stood before Owen. Such a difference as there was between them. But he looked Owen right in the face, quiet-like, and Owen glared back in fury. Will it satisfy you, Owen, if Philippa comes down here and chooses between us? Yes, it will, said Owen. Mark Foster turned to me. Go and bring her down, said he. Isabella, judging Philippa by herself, gave a little moan of despair, and Owen, blinded by love and hope, thought his case was won. But I knew my dairy too well to be glad, and Mark Foster did, too, and I hated him for it. I went to my dairy's room, all pale and shaking. When I went in, she came to meet me, like a girl going to meet death. Is it time? she said, with her hands locked tight together. I said not a word, hoping that the unlooked-for sight of Owen would break down her resolution. I just held out my hand to her and led her downstairs. She clung to me, and her hands were as cold as snow. When I opened the parlour door, I stood back and pushed her in before me. She just cried, Owen! and shook so that I put my arms about her to steady her. Owen made a step towards her, his face and eyes all aflame with his love and longing, but Mark barred his way. Wait till she has made her choice, he said, and then he turned to Philippa. I couldn't see my dearie's face, but I could see Mark's, and there was no spark of feeling in it. Behind it was Isabella's, all pinched and grey. Philippa, said Mark, Owen Blair has come back. He says he's never forgotten you, and that he wrote to you several times. I have told him that you have promised me, but... I leave you freedom of choice. Which of us will you marry, Philippa? My dairy stood straight up, and a trembling left her. She stepped back, and I could see her face, white as the dead, but calm and resolved. I have promised to marry you, Mark, and I will keep my word, she said. The colour came back to Isabella Clark's face, but Mark's did not change. Philippa, said Owen, and the pain in his voice made my old heart ache bitterer than ever. Have you ceased to love me? My dearie would have been more than human if she could have resisted the pleading in his tone. She said no word, but just looked at him for a moment. We all saw the look. Her whole soul, full of love for Owen, showed out in it. Then she turned and stood by Mark. Owen never said a word. He went as white as death and started for the door. But again Mark Foster put himself in the way. Wait, he said. She has made her choice, as I knew she would. But I have yet to make mine, and I choose to marry no woman whose love belongs to another living man. Philippa, I thought Owen Blair was dead, and I believed that. When you were my wife, I could win your love. But I love you too well to make you miserable. Go to the man you love. You are free. 
and what is to become of me well isabella oh you i had forgotten about you said mark kind of weary like he took a paper from his pocket and dropped it in the grate there is a mortgage that is all you care about i think good morning he went out he was only a common fellow but somehow just then he looked every inch the gentleman i would have gone after him and said something but the look on his face now it was no time for my foolish old words philippa was crying with her head on owen's shoulder isabella clark waited to see the mortgage burned up and then she came to me in the hall all smooth and smiling again really it's all very romantic isn't it i suppose it's better as it is all things considered mark behaved splendidly didn't he not many men would have done as he did for once in my life i agreed with isabella but i felt like having a good cry over it all and i had it i was glad for my dearest sake in owens but mark foster had paid the price of their joy and i knew it had begged him of happiness for life End of story 14